Um, did you give me that? Okay. Um, we just got word that Jeff Lumpkin's son-in-law, William Spencer, uh, has had a heart attack and they're taking him to Jackson uh, General. So we want to remember uh, William and, uh, and uh, Jeff and Audrey and them uh, as they uh, surround him and pray for him. So let's go to our Heavenly Father and pray uh, on his behalf and others as well. Holy Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of it, the beauty of, this, uh, of our weather this weekend. We thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to come together today to worship you this morning, to gather again tonight, to study your word. Father, we thank you for our church family. We, Father, we ask that you'll bless us. Be with our elders and bless them. Father, be with all those that have been mentioned uh, today uh, as in needing, needing of our prayers. And Father, we especially want to uh, ask that you will be with William Spencer. Uh, Jeff Lumpkin's son-in-law. Father, we pray that you will um, uh, be with those that are tending to him. Father, help them to do the right things that will benefit William, Father, and that his condition might improve quickly. Father, we thank you for uh, the medical facilities that we have, and we are thankful that he's been able to get where he needs to be, Father, so that he can receive help. And we just pray for Jeff and Audrey that you will be with them, Fathers, there, there with him, with William and his family. We just ask that you will bless them, Father. Father, we thank you for the way that you work through our lives. Father, most of all, we want to thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, watch over us, forgive us of all of our many sins. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you uh, about the um, to continue reading in the One Word uh, devotional book. Uh, that's the black book that we passed out um, several months ago. And our lesson tonight, we're looking at the word resurrection. And um, there's, uh, I want to just read some of these to you, uh, the titles of each devotional this week. Do not put a period, period where God wants a comma. Uh, from Job 19. His victory is our victory from Philippians chapter 3. When my heart breaks, I will trust you from John chapter 20. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ from Romans chapter 8. And then it is finished, but it's not over from John chapter 19. So I want to encourage you to uh, keep studying and reading in that book. Also, uh, I failed to mention it last week, so if you want to go back and read this, uh, the, the, the reason we looked at the theme of Jesus last week and we sang and read scriptures about it so that we could also follow along in our book. So I apologize about not mentioning that, but if you want to go back and read those lessons, those devotionals about Christ, uh, you can do so. And we'll try to do that as some of the others if it's possible. I think about this idea of resurrection and I think about the lesson we had a few weeks ago about judgment. And, and like judgment, uh, a lot of times uh, we look at that word and we fear the word judgment, but yet when we live in view of Christ, it's not a fearful word. And many times when we look at the word resurrection, uh, to some it can also be the idea of fear, but to those who walk with Christ... It's not an idea of fear, but it's a great day, a great opportunity to think about. And I was also thinking about as we go through life and as we uh, enter in all the activities that we, uh, that we do, uh, of keeping ourselves unspotted from the world, but yet being in the world, but not of the world. And so it's, it's good for us to be involved in those activities. 
Our family has always enjoyed sports, and so we've been involved in sports. Um, Today I was watching the NASCAR race. Maybe you like NASCAR, maybe you don't. Maybe you think it's just a bunch of guys going in circles. But nonetheless, it's it's another sport. It's something else to, to be involved in. Uh, something else to talk to people about. And there's lots of other things. Maybe you enjoy movies. And maybe you talk to people about, about movies. Maybe you enjoy good books. And you talk to people about, about these good books. And so God wants us to be involved in the world and the activities those things are going on because we need to be the light, as we talked about this morning. But that also relates to this idea of resurrection. That as we live in view of the resurrection, then we are involved in all these various activities and we realize though they can compete for our minds and our ideas and and, and, and our lives and our time, our goal is to be involved in those things living in view of the resurrection. And I'm not, we're not talking about tonight uh, the, the resuscitating of deceased people who will uh, uh, eventually still die or the resurrection of those people. I think about uh, Elijah and the widow, uh, the widow's sons in 1 Kings 17, or Elisha and the Shumanite woman's son in 2 Kings 4, the man thrown from Elisha's grave in 2 Kings 13, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11, uh, the ruler's daughter in Matthew chapter 9, and the story of Peter and Dorcas in Acts chapter 9. But tonight, when we think about the term resurrection, we're going to look at it from the standpoint of, uh, first of all, Jesus, uh, of, or Jesus' resurrection and also His second coming and the resurrection of the dead, then the resurrection of, of all at, uh, at that time. And so we'll look at a couple of scriptures, uh, but I want to notice, uh, we're going to talk about some of the Greek words, and we're going to notice some of those. Uh, but it was interesting that as I was looking at this, that there's not much, uh, not a whole lot said or discussed in the Old Testament as it deals with resurrection, uh, except for uh, maybe Daniel chapter 12 and verses 1 through 4. But there's not a particular word in the Old Testament. This might have been some of the reason why the Sadducees, they did not believe in the resurrection. You know, there was part of the Jewish, the sect of the Jewish leaders. You had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That may be part of the reason why. But I want you to notice, I'm not going to pr- try to pronounce these Greek words, but I want you to notice um, uh, a couple of Greek words. First of all, in the noun form of the Greek uh, word resurrection literally means a rising up, a rising, like an event or an occurrence. Um, in the New Testament, uh, passages that uh, talk about the resurrection, Mark chapter 12, verse 18 and verse 23. John chapter 5, verse 9, 29. John chapter 11, uh, Acts chapter 1, chapter 4, chapter 17, and chapter 24. Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look at in just a moment. Philippians chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 6, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 3, Revelation chapter 20. So there's a lot to be said in the New Testament about the idea of the resurrection. I want you to notice also the verb form of this word is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14, where it means rose again, and also in verse 16, where it means rise first. 
And some other Greek words that relate, that don't necessarily mean resurrection, but relate to this word, uh, we have the word lives, found in Romans chapter 14 and 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Also, we have the word uh, forgive life, found in Romans chapter 14 and Romans chapter 8 and 1 Corinthians 15 again. Uh, the idea raised, Romans chapter 4, chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 15. And, um, and then the idea of the word led or bring up, Romans chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 13. But I want us to take note of a few passages of Scripture. I want us to think about some Scriptures in the book of Acts first. And then we'll look at 1 Corinthians 15 for uh, a short period of time. And then we'll uh, also look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But notice uh, in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter 17, chapter 23, and chapter 24. Uh, in the book of Acts, we see that uh, Paul tells, or Luke rather, tells about uh, Christ's resurrection being the cornerstone of the evangelistic efforts of the church. That's kind of interesting, don't you think? Uh, because most of the time when we, when we think about our evangelistic efforts, it's go tell people about Jesus and you're lost without Jesus and, and you need to be baptized into Jesus Christ. And those are all true, but it seems one of their major focuses in their evangelistic efforts was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, he, Luke talks there about uh, preaching that Christ rose from the dead. This was the, their reason, uh, the reason that many rejected the gospel message. They didn't believe it. Uh, even some in, the, in uh, the Greek city of Athens didn't believe Paul. Even though they were generally open-minded people, they believed in the afterlife. Yet, you remember in Acts chapter 17 there, several rejected what Paul was saying when he spoke to them about... The unknown God. Several of them still rejected. And we must keep in mind that despite our best efforts and falling on sincere hearts, there may still be people today, uh, as we talk to them, that do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Acts talks about that evangelistic effort being focused on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now imagine that. Imagine if that was our focus. As we go out and as we involve ourselves in sports. If you love the shop. Or if you enjoy movies. And we go out at whatever it is. Whatever the activities are. We go out and we involve ourselves in those activities. In view of living my life. Looking forward to the resurrection. Realizing that what? All of these events, all of these activities are good, wholesome activities within and of themselves. Yet, are not the most important things, right? And imagine if we live in that way, the impact we can make in our lives. Doing our best in whatever we do, yet living with a resurrection in view and sharing that with others. Now I want us to spend a little time looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Turn in your Bibles, if you will. 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to kind of go, we won't look through every verse uh, in this chapter, but I want us to uh, notice uh, several verses in this chapter as it relates. Uh, many call this the great resurrection chapter uh, in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 
You know, in addition to some of the destructive practices that that Paul dealt with uh, in 1 Corinthians, uh, there seemed to be this dangerous heresy, this dangerous idea circulating among uh, those in the city of Corinth and maybe even in the church, and that is the denial of the resurrection. Paul says it in in verse 12. Um, Some among them said, There is no resurrection of the dead. And so Paul uh, is dealing with that kind of idea. Uh, Look at verses uh, 1 through 4 of chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul emphasized here then the resurrection being the central, one of the central parts of faith in Christ. Faith in the Gospel. And you notice there he said Christ did in fact rise from the grave according to to the scripture, or he died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. He's reminding these people in a similar way as the Hebrew writer does. What was foretold? It has happened. It was foretold and talked about Jesus dying, Jesus being buried, and Jesus rising again. And he did that according to the scriptures. Notice uh, verses 12 through 19. Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Some among you, He says. Evidently this was happening in the church at Corinth. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. Verse 16. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most Paul is reminding these brethren that Christ, the risen Christ, is our hope. That Christ is risen. But if Christ is not risen, then he says, all this we've been preaching to you is empty. Not only that, but your faith is empty. And then we are false witnesses of God because we've been proclaiming that Jesus is risen. Imagine that. Uh, Imagine all that we do here at this location being worthless. Being for naught. And Paul says, listen, if, if that's the reality, then, uh, then that's right. Everything that you've done, everything we preach, everything that you do, coming together, it's for nothing. It's worthless. He says your faith is futile. It's pointless or useless. 
If Christ is not risen, now think about this. If Christ is not risen, then you're still in your sins, he says. I mean, that's one of the main things that we talk about, about being in Christ, right? Being freed from our sins. Not that we don't make mistakes, but we're no longer in slavery to our sins. And Paul says, listen, if Jesus has not risen from the grave, then you still walk and you still live in your sins. Those who have died in Christ, they have perished. They have perished. Now, just just imagine that. I mean, we we talk about eternity in heaven. In fact, the majority of people um, in our nation, so far, most people that believe in Christianity anyway, most people, whether they attend church or not, most people want to go to heaven. But you see, the reality is, Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave... Then those who have already died that are Christians, they've just perished. This is it. This is it. What a sad way to live life. What a sad way to view life. That this is it. You know, some days, like this weekend, we have great weather. Life seems good, doesn't it? But what about when a family member is rushed to Jackson General because they're having a heart attack? What what about when when we surround the family because they've lost a child? What about when disaster hits in uh, an area? And this is it? And Paul says if the resurrection didn't happen, this is it. Look at verses 20 through 28. Uh, Paul describes the last enemy, death, being destroyed. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at His coming. Then comes the end, when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For He must reign till He has put all enemies under His feet. The last enemy that is uh, that will be destroyed is death. For He has put all things under His feet, but when He says all things are under Him, it is evident that He who put all things under Him is expect, ex- accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subject to Him who put all things under Him, that God may be all in all. Paul says, Christ is indeed risen. He said, just like in one man all die in Adam, but also in the other man, God in the flesh, Christ, 
All are made alive in Christ. You see then, when whether we're talking about um, Judgment Day or whether we're talking about the resurrection, the idea is there's beauty, there's security, there's hope in Christ. There's hope in Christ that at the judgment we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. There's hope in Christ that at the last day we will be risen with Him in eternity. At the coming of Christ, Paul says, will be the end. He will deliver the kingdom, the church, those who are in Christ to God the Father at the resurrection. And puts an end, when this happened, it puts an end to all rule, all power, all authority. Hmm. The United States of America? Donald Trump? Whoever the president is? Is that where our hope is? Paul says it's not in those things. And when you go out and you live, you live in view of the resurrection enjoyed in Jesus Christ. And share that through our lives and when we talk to people, especially if we love people, I want to see you at the resurrection. I want you too to be raised with Christ to enjoy eternity in heaven. In verses 29 through 30, Paul says, Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do you stand? We stand in jeopardy every hour. I affirm by the boasting. Uh, by boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in a manner of man I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul says that the resurrection is denied. There's no other purpose. We don't have a purpose. That's a direct denial of the resurrection of Christ. And in verse 32, he says to the Corinthians, if this is all there is, here we go. This is what everybody says. If this is all there is, let's just party away. Let's just go have fun. Whatever you all want to do, let's do it. It don't matter. No strings attached. No rules. No regulations. uh, No discipline. No whatever. If the resurrection hasn't occurred... Let's just go party. Sounds like fun, right? Oh, it might be fun for a while. But just like everything else in life, the reality comes when we realize there has to be more than this life. There has to be more on our better days than this life. And Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to remember this. 
He goes on to let his audience know that uh, things in this life cannot be eternal. The, uh, our bodies will perish. Uh, he says in other parts of the Corinthians uh, that, that, our body, that we're dying day after day. We're getting older. Eventually we will die. Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. Christ, when He returns, He will place us in a spiritual body, He tells us. He gives this illustration in verses 35-41 through 41 to help us visualize the natural versus the spiritual differences of these bodies. In verses 43-44, through 44, He reinforces this difference between the corruptible and the incorruptible, uh, the, the mortal and the immortality. And then I want us to notice finally in 1 Corinthians 15 here, verses 50-58, through 58, this culmination of this great resurrection chapter. Paul talks about our final victory, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will, will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul says that our final victory, we're going to be changed. This corruptible body, this mortal body will be changed into something that's incorruptible. Will be changed into something that is immortal. At the resurrection, the dead will rise. The second coming that we've been talking about. And God will give victory to those who are found in Christ. In Christ. I'm amazed as, as we look at these words, and I'm amazed that we look, as we look at these topics, when we see the importance of being in Christ, you see, really that changes the way we look at the world. Really that changes the way we look at those people that we love and care about. Really that changes the way we share our faith. Because then it's not about uh, being right or wrong. Then it's about looking at being in Christ. You see, there's a great day coming. And some, yes, the Bible calls it the judgment day, and some fear that. But there's a great day coming. And for those in Christ, they can plan and live for and hasten and look for that day when they hear those words, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
For those who are in Christ, the resurrection is not something to be dreaded. The resurrection is something to be to look forward to because one day my life on this earth will end. And I want to live in view of that resurrection. In verse 58, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There are a lot of ways that Satan comes at us, isn't it? You see, Satan doesn't want us to live in view of the resurrection of Christ or the resurrection in Christ. Satan wants us to believe this is what's important. Life is a party. All I can get, all the pleasure I can get, and and all the things that I can get and possess, that's what's important. And Paul says, no, it's the resurrection. And when we live with that in mind, we work, we strive, sometimes we fall short, We strive to be steadfast. We strive to be immovable, standing in Jesus Christ. How do we do that? How do we do that, Paul? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And know that that work's not in vain. The work in the Lord is not in vain. And finally, real quickly tonight, I want us to notice 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, those who have passed on, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, people that that are not in Christ and people who are not living in view of the resurrection in Jesus Christ, you see, when things happen to them, there's no hope. Now, don't misunderstand what Paul is saying and what I'm trying to express. Uh, We're not saying that people do not mourn. But there's a difference in the mourning of those in Christ and the mourning mourning of those outside of Christ. Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, the the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who remain awake, those who remain alive, then they will rise with Christ. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be 
with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Paul encourages these brethren in Thessalonica that Jesus will keep His promises. Remember one of those promises found in John chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's hope. That's security. That's something to look forward to. Jesus is coming again to gather those who are in Christ. And will deliver the church, those in Christ, back to the Father. They don't need to be concerned about those who have preceded them in death. The dead will rise first to meet the Lord. And then those who are still alive will rise as well. And then Paul gives them a job to do. Do something with this knowledge. And he says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. These words should be a comfort to us in good times and in difficult times. I came across this story I thought very fitting. Little Philip was born with Down syndrome. He attended a third grade Sunday school class with those with several eight-year-old boys and girls. Typical of that age, the children did not really accept Philip with his differences. They didn't understand it. Uh, according to this article in Leadership Magazine anyway. But because of the, cre- the creative nature of the teacher, they began to care about Philip and accept him as part of the class, though not fully. Uh, one Sunday, uh, the teacher brought, you remember those legs, pantyhose, in the plastic egg? Uh, she brought several of those containers to class and, and she asked the class, now uh, listen, I want you to go out and I, I want you to gather things outside on this lovely spring day that uh, is a symbol of new life. And I want you to put it in this container and then bring it back to class and we'll talk about it. And so all the kids went out running around throughout the building and outside and gathering things that they thought symbolized new life. And they placed those containers on the table, and uh, surrounded by the teacher, uh, the surrounded by the kids, the teacher began to open them one by one. And after uh, one, after she found things, opened things up like a butterfly, a flower, a leaf. The class would ooh and ah at those particular things that they thought represented new life. Then one was opened, and it revealed nothing inside. Uh, The children shouted and exclaimed, That's stupid. That's not fair. Somebody didn't do their assignment. But Philip spoke up and he said, That's mine. Philip, you don't ever do things right. This one student yelled. There's nothing in there. I did so do it, Philip insisted. I did do it. It's empty. And the tomb was empty. Silence followed. And from that point, Philip became a full member of that class. Later, not long later, 
Philip got an infection that most students would, most young people would, would be able to overcome and, and, and just wink at. But it claimed Philip's life. And on that day at his funeral, with their Sunday school teacher, those students all came forward, laid by the casket, empty plastic eggs. For they knew Philip understood the empty tomb meant the resurrection actually happened. So how do we live our lives? People in this world may, may believe or may not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. But you see, the important thing is, do I? Do I believe in it? And if so, am I living my life in view of the resurrection. Because as the Bible tells us, there's a day coming when the dead in Christ will rise and those who are still alive in Christ will be risen with Him, taken to eternal home in heaven. It's our prayer tonight that you are in Christ. If not, the Bible tells us about being in Christ. All through the book of Acts, the Bible tells us if we believe in the resurrection and we believe in Christ, through that faith and that obedience, then we too go down in that watery grave of baptism to rise in newness of life, to be connected with Christ because of our faith and because of our obedience to God and His Word to be placed in Christ. And then we too can enjoy looking forward to the resurrection. Have you done that tonight? If not, it's our prayer that you will. We can't express that enough. Because as you well know, James tells us, our life here it's but a vapor. The Bible says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, Satan's telling us there's a lot of important things out there in life. But Paul would remind the church at Corinth, the church at Thessalonica and others, the resurrection is true. The resurrection happened. And those in Christ will be risen with Him. Will you do that tonight? Maybe it is you're here and you just need the prayers of your church family. For whatever reason, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, please come as together we stand and sing. God send His Son.